before we get started, we want to make a quick disclaimer. Here at the Dimension Door, we sometimes discuss subject matters of a sensitive nature. We wish to create a space where such topics can be explored in a spirit of learning, understanding, and occasionally through the lens of humor. We value an environment of safety in which difficult topics can be addressed for the sake of growth and healing. Just like every good adventure, ours starts right here at the Dimension Door Tavern. Hello listeners, welcome back. Thank you for joining us at the Dimension Door Tavern. We are your hosts, Allison and... Jonathan. Yay. And I'm this here. week, we have our guest, Seth. Hello. Hi, Seth. So glad that you're joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Dimension Door. I hope you have a comfy seat and a large glass of ale. <laughs> glass. Do you have a stein? Yeah, it's supposed to be a stein. <laughs> Sorry, a I was not uh, flagging. All right. <laughs> I wasn't... I wasn't in the right period. A, I'm sorry. A big frothy stein. Right. Wow. <laughs> this is fancy. Something you can we clink. Use glasses here. <laughs> oh, we're so refined. <laughs> All right. Um, no, we are so happy to have Seth on the show with us. He is a great friend of mine, um, former player of mine from a campaign of not so long ago, and um, and recently a DM. Is that right? Trying to. Everyone's dragging feet right now, but hopefully it gets some traction. Gotcha. Awesome. Just keep hurting those cats. Yes. Right. Being a DM is all about hurting cats. <laughs> hurting, not hurting. There's a big difference. <laughs> I think that's a gray area in your it could be. campaigns. It could be. I do. I hurt the hurting cats. Oh. I don't know. Oh. No, I can't say. Oh. I just said that on. Oh. oh yeah. There mm. goes our viewership. We're gone. <laughs> no. Well, no, I'm call, no. I'm calling PETA. Anyone, yeah. anyone, anyone a healer out there? <laughs> no cats or any other animals were harmed in the filming of this podcast or my D&D campaigns. Whew. Quick recovery. Yes. So, Seth, tell us, since you're now at a stage of beginning DM, tell us how you got into D&D. Uh, started with my friend. He found, um, the first edition books. His dad left him after he passed and he's like, Hey, let's check this out. And I was like, all right, whatever. And we played one of the pre-made quests in it and I was hooked from there. Nice. And how long ago was this? Not to date yourself, but how long have you been playing? Uh, that was probably, I can't even think maybe 2010, 2011, when we did that so nice it's it's been a minute <laughs> about 12 years longer than i've been playing at least yeah I, I haven't been playing solidly for those 12 years but i've been in the hobby right. i guess gotcha awesome well um what kind of characters did you and your friend create for that first pre-made quest well elf was still a class in those books um 
So we, I did Elf, and he did a Ranger just to try it out. And it was weird, to say the least. It, was weird. <laughs> it must have been the good kind of weird, because you stuck yeah. around. Oh, yeah, no, it was good. It was just really weird. <laughs> yeah, those, it, those first sessions are always a little awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. Though you're hooked on it, you're like, because I feel like during that first session, you see the potential of what it could be. Yeah. But you know, like, okay, that was kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Tell, Even tell more so awkward. when we when we tried to, like, do the role-playing aspect of the game. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, we were, like, we had just dropped out of high school and everything. We are getting our GEDs and everything. And so we're still at that regular awkward teenage phase, and now we're adding this into it, having to, like, pretend to talk to each other about different things like that. It was just weird. <laughs> really, really solidified the friendship, too. That's awesome. So your first character was an elf. Mm. You said ranger, right? Uh, no, it was just an elf. Yeah. Oh, you're just an elf. So mm-hmm. what class were you? An elf. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, in first, yeah, in first edition, so Elf was a class, not a race. Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. I never played first edition, so I never it's, knew that. But it is very hard to understand, especially if that's where you're starting. Because <laughs> mm. um, I think at the time we started, three point five was out, but we had no idea. Of that, we just found his dad's books and we're like, oh, let's check it out. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so when you found 3.5, how long did it take you to transition to that? Or did you kind of like just stay with first edition? I looked at 3.5. I never actually played it. Um, oh. The first set of books I picked up was 4 and 4.5, the ones we don't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and... After that, I was just like, this how, system's really stupid. You that name on our podcast. <laughs> right. I looked at it, I was like, this system's really stupid. I'm not going to play this. And then shortly after, I was like, oh, hey, fifth edition's out. Let's look at this. Man, this is so much easier to understand. I've been playing fifth since then. Awesome. Yeah, I I think I played 3.5 once or twice. I, I really didn't play it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And... For the longest time, like obviously I knew there was a 4 and a 4.5 before 5 because just the number sequence. But I had no – like no one ever talked about 4 and 4.5. So I had no idea of their existence. I'm curious, what what was it about 4 and 4.5 that was so horrendous that just no no one played it? It's, it was just the turn sequence and, like, how combat worked and everything. Like, so, like, three point, like two and 3 and 3.5 and everything, just from what I've heard our friend Gary talking about and everything, is, like, armor classes, instead of, you know, you have to roll above a 13 to hit them, you know, 13 or higher will hit. Um, the lower the armor class, the better, especially if it's in the negatives. Um Four and four point five started moving into the um, current ways that we do armor class, but it was just really convoluted. Mm. I'd have to grab my books to give a full 
breakdown of it, but just looking at them and trying to understand it hurt my brain. Like it actually gave me a headache trying to understand it. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad I didn't play that then. Cause I probably, I don't know. Next, if I find yeah. them, I'll, I'll bring them out to you. It's not good. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that really takes the fun out of playing, which is the whole point. Yeah. It's already a slippery slope for me because I'm not good at math. I, oh my goodness, that's been... That's something reoccurring from a previous episode. We talked about how platforms like D&D have really just made the game more enjoyable because you don't have to keep track and add numbers Mm -hmm. up from the number sheet. Yep. (laughs) And especially with D&D Beyond, not a sponsor. Um, Yeah, not a sponsor yet. Yet. It's made it so much easier to play the game. Yes. Like, the invention of D&D Beyond is one of the greatest things to happen to the game, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's really great that I know there was a lot of... Uh, I would say negative press about D&D Beyond because the way it came about is they started it and before D&D Beyond there was a bunch of different independent websites that would do similar things to D&D Beyond but it wasn't all compiled into one and I believe Wizards of the Coast and D&D Beyond started buying out those websites or telling them to cease and desist because of Mm -hmm. copyright infringements and so there was a lot of negativity about D&D Beyond because they were ending these other little tiny mom and pop websites that provided this service. But now that it's established, like it's just, it's like the D and D Mecca. It's, it's where you gotta be. It really is. And like player or DM being able to have everything like right there, even with the app. Oh my God. The app has gotten so much better. Like Mm -hmm. I, I installed the app day one when it came out. And I still have it installed on my phone. And I've just seen the improvements they've made. They actually listen to their audience and to the people actually using it. I cannot praise companies enough that actually do that. I think that was one of the big concerns, too, about them canceling these other sites is people were afraid that, you know, okay, oh, they're going to come in and then they're not going to listen to anyone and it's just going to be their thing. But they've done such a good job of just mm-hmm. listening to the people and adapting to that. And the beta testing that they do for everything. Yep. For me personally, when they came out with the encounter um, module. The encounter builder. Um, yeah, the encounter. Well, not just a builder, but that you can run the encounter too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. saved me everything. Because I used to have like this little post that I put like clips on. Mm-hmm. Keep track of where in the initiative my players were. I think yeah. Allison was part of the campaign when I was I doing that. that. I had this like <clears throat> necklace holder that I'd hang over my uh, my DM screen, and I had these little clips that I'd put on there with the players' names on them, and that mm-hmm. was how I kept my initiative order. And it was so bad. I was always missing turns, or I was having a hard time keeping track of AC and all that. Yeah, but when they made that encounter thing, I was like, "Oh my goodness! All the AC is there, all the HP is there, everything." Ah, uh, and see, I jumped into that when it was <laughs> like freshly into beta, 
because at the time Same. I was running my first campaign. And I was like, man, this is so cool. I tried to use like, man, this is so confusing. And so I just kept using pen and paper. I'd write like monster one AC underneath it of 13, then health pool under that. Anytime they deal damage to it, it's like, okay, I'm just doing basic, you know, subtraction here until it hits zero, which is fine for one thing. But when you're running, you know, like nine bandits in a hold, No, I just like, like, I know you don't want silence, but it, it needed to be there. <laughs> no, there's, there's a dramatic science, silence that needs to be there. We are not cutting that silence out in the editing process. Right. Timestamp it. Oh my goodness. Timestamp this. Don't cut that silence out. No, no. Silence is a good thing sometimes. Um, the whole company um, founded their logo off of silence is golden. <laughs> Silence is golden. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's great. Um, but no, that's such an interesting, and I'm so glad we are able to have you on the podcast because you've been playing for so long and you know all these. That's one of the things that really impressed me with Seth because I, I was Seth's DM for like what, oh, almost a year or so. Um, and one of the things that just always impressed me was his knowledge of the game. He has such a deep, understanding of the game which honestly it's much more than me and so as a dm i often felt like oh man this guy knows so much more about the game than i do but he was so gracious to like let me make my mistakes all the time of ruling and things um but your your knowledge not just of how the game plays but of the the world of D, if you will um always impressed me uh, so uh, with your extensive knowledge now coming to DMing, what do you envision for your first campaign as a DM? Oh, yes. Tell us about the campaign. So my first campaign, I did, you know, kind of the classic trope, necromancers being bad and got to, got to kick his butt. Bad um, necromancer. This one I'm doing a little different. Um, there are blatant ripoffs of Warhammer 40,000. Not even going to be, you know, trying to hide it or anything. <laughs> um, mm. But it's it's going to be interesting. I can't say a whole lot because of, you know, if players that listen to this are playing in the campaign. I don't oh, want to give a whole lot away. Um, they won't listen to this. Don't worry. Right. Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, bite your tongue, peasant. <laughs> it's Sorry, good. Man. It's a. It's going to be a mixture of high fantasy and sci-fi. High fantasy Ooh. and sci-fi. Oh, so you're so you're oh. not really going for like the you're going for like a more modern day thing. Yeah. So it's oh. the actually. Let me pull up the. the I've always wanted to run a campaign like that. That'd be fun. So I'll read you like just a quick bit of the synopsis I wrote for it. Um, it's the 32nd millennia. The world has changed and the people of Faeron have taken to the stars. Planetary conquest and terraformation are the main goals and the four military powers that fight for total control of the galaxy. Uh, Faeron, the central planet in the Galos, uh, sorry, Galvos system, is home to most of the races, but it is co- uh, a crowded nightmare. Hive cities were constructed to house all of the citizens of the planet. Those that can fight 
uh, fight, farm, or mine are sent off world uh, to colonize and help progress civilizations of the chosen planet. And it goes on for more and more, um, but it's actually pretty good. I'll send it to you because I think you'd like it. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. That is super awesome. Is that based off of the book that just came out about the astral plane and all that? Um, kind of. Like, it's definitely going to come into works there. Um, but this is just kind of my somewhat own creation using other IPs and whatnot. That's awesome. That is so cool. I am excited to see where that campaign goes. If it does. Um, if it, it will. <laughs> like I said, just be a good little cat shepherd. It'll come together. This is actually a really uh, exciting campaign idea. Idea, yeah. yeah. Like I love the whole concept of that. Do you find that you are naturally, have you always been drawn to futuristic themes? Or is oh, this yeah, something so that you just had inspiration and wanted to try? Sci-fi is definitely one of my favorite genres, like in general. Um I've always wanted to try kind of like either a modern day or futuristic campaign. And nice. You know, when things happened and no one wanted to step up, I was like, Hey, you know, this is my time. Let's try it. Let's go for it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I've, I've always thought of doing like a star Wars campaign Mm -hmm. or, um, or using a, so everyone uses a Genasi character and you do like an Avatar The Last Airbender campaign. Yep. But I don't know. Those, you flip a coin to cool. see who gets to play the Wave of Four Elements monk. Yes. <laughs> or maybe or maybe you're on the team to help them. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, that's really cool that you're doing that. And I think that new Spelljammer book will will really help with that theme too. Oh yeah. I'm just imagining a, um, the whole <laughs> scenario where everyone's fighting to be the monk the same way when the Stranger Things kids are, no, I'm Bankman. I'm Bankman. Like they're all. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I, I hope it gets traction. Cause like I have a lot of cool things planned for it. Um, the first session, they're going to be on a, like, transport ship. And I told them, I was like, you can know each other, you can not know each other, but you all will start on the same ship. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, but they don't know that it's going to... No spoilers. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. I'm not going to say by what. Or who. Yeah. Or how. Water who. Uh, because that's part of the mystery. Because the goal is to make them think that they're trying to pick a side, you know, whose army is the right choice to control the galaxy, blah, 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 when there's actually a secret terror that's um, that's trying a to come. Against. A secret terror. I love this. That's awesome. Do you, so you have a group of players already... Somewhat supposed assembled. to be lined up for this somewhat right now i have two for sure's and four maybes so yeah yeah okay well keep us posted are you doing this live or virtual i would like to do it live um just because 
technical issues can ensue and right. maybe understandable and with the way the weather's been lately you know maybe there's a storm that knocks out someone's power and then we have to wait right. so plus i i don't know about you i just prefer in person it definitely just... is better in person and like when we played and everything like it was so much fun playing in person i couldn't imagine trying yeah. to do that virtually um but I more so want to do it in person because, like, I have probably $2,000 worth of minis that I have at my disposal to use for this oh, campaign. Yes. <laughs> that are for Warhammer oh, 40,000. So, yes. and like, I, I just think picked there's up a, a new few people so who would just stuff. get a little too excited in our group to explore your, uh, your display of minis. Yeah, no, he uh, he offered. So long story short, I, I guess I should probably address this on the podcast as well. Um, I I was a DM for Seth and um, the group there. And man, life was just kind of in a crazy moment for me. And I was, there was things going on my job there's things going on in my personal life just some craziness that was going on and i was traveling like 45 minutes to an hour for each session and it was just one of the things that it was not attainable anymore for me to be able to dm so unfortunately i had to bow out um and i i'm so excited to hear that you guys are still trying to play and it, it could be now things are starting to calm down for me. Things are um, looking better. It might be that I could, I can jump back in, be a player or something in the, in the future do. sometime. Yeah. You but, know, you're always um, welcome no matter what we're doing, where we are. Same, same to you. I, I have started a group on this side of town because, because I wanted to keep playing, but mm. I just couldn't make the drive anymore. So I started a group on this side of town. Um, and yeah, it's this set of them. We're in Phoenix, so it's <laughs> it's a big town for those of you yeah. who are listening. Um, and uh, but it, it's just a, it's just a. I, I miss you guys, and um, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And I'm planning on having everyone else on the podcast, including Bruce. Actually, I was talking to Bruce today. Really, that's good. Yeah, and he said he's actually he might be interested in stopping in for. A session or two so i told him to reach out to you seth um definitely yeah so bruce if you're listening go check out the the group yeah and we play at gary's <laughs> house now so we play at gary's and it's actually pretty close to bruce too i think hmm. nice yeah one so. of the things i planned on using and great thing about podcasts and that we're you know we have webcams and they don't is i can show you what I want to use oh, in the campaign. Wow. And so that's oh, going to be that one a, of the ones that I use. Don't, don't give too much. Oh, that's awesome. This is some great audio because I want to describe this for you, but I can't because <laughs> this is for yeah. the players. Mm-hmm. But dang, they are going to be so It's I'm, magnificent. It's magnificent. It's even, I'm scared of that just looking yet. at it. It's not even painted yet. What colors are yeah. going to be? Um, right now I have kind of like a bioluminescent idea that I want to try. So like I picked up some like neon pinks and purples and blues and everything to use for like, yes, please. So once I get it painted up, I'll definitely send you a picture of it. That's awesome. Maybe, maybe we can post a picture of it on our podcast 
Instagram or something like that. There you go. At the Dimension Door Tavern on Instagram. Little plug there. Um, <laughs> which you can plug your because you do minis, right? You post yep. pictures of minis and things. Mm-hmm. Minis by Seth get a, on the Instagram. Minis by Seth on the Instagram. I personally follow him, and he does some great work. It's it's super awesome on there. So go check him out. I haven't posted anything into, in months. <laughs> how did you get into creating uh, creating minis? What were you doing? Was there something you did before that in the same realm? And so your passion for D&D just kind of was a natural flow into it? Or how did that come about for you? My friend texted me one day. He's like, hey, do you want to go to this game store on Black Friday? I was like, yeah, we can go after work because it's a half day for me. He's like, okay. So we went there. We're looking around. As we walk in, the um, store owner's like, hey, it's Black Friday. So certain brands are an extra percentage off on top of, you know, our store wide, you know, 25% off. We're like, okay, cool. We're looking around. We see a um, box for Warhammer 40,000, the Indominus box, which is like a huge starter box. You get two armies in it and the rule book and all kinds of extra good stuff. Um, he's like, you know, I've been wanting to try this game. I was like, yeah, it always seemed cool. So we went halves on the box. I got one half of the armies. He got the other half. It quickly got out of control from there. Um, I probably have... $300 worth of paints, $2,000 worth of miniatures. I even bought two 3D printers for the hobby. It's <laughs> like, and that's not even You've counting all the, the like airbrush and basing materials, everything I have to like do stuff with. It's, it just started. Like it wasn't a, oh, well, it's kind of like it. It's just like, no, we're diving in. Nice. I love it. You've just been growing the army ever since. Growing yeah. The army. I am still working on the first army I got out of that box, and it has been two years. I'm still trying to paint all of them. It's not even a lot. I'm just lazy. What if, what if Toy Story was real, and they just came to life every time you're gone? Man, I want to be here for that, because they're still <laughs> here. Or maybe, based off the one you just showed me, I don't know if I want to be there for that. Right? Yeah, true. Like, yeah. the lore behind that one so they're called the tyranids like the lore behind it their whole goal is eat consume biomass and move on to the next planet nice like it's mm, they it's seem wild. nice plot twist i'm sure they're nice people it sounds like right? it could be a riveting dinner party i was gonna say plot twist you know once they're full and happy then they're just very lonely yeah because then there's no one left <laughs> And that's why they're going off to the next planet. But they can't control their hunger, you know? know, Eventually, all the friendships just end the same. I can relate to this because I feel the same. I go to a buffet (laughs) and (laughs) I just want to go to another buffet. It's just (laughs) how it is. I mean, I'm sustained for a little bit, but then I see another buffet. I'm like, I... I can go to the buffet. Let's check right. that one out it's too. All you can eat, and maybe that's what they are. They're just—they're nice people. Buffet they just hopping. see a buffet. They're, and they're doing like, you know what? They're doing a buffet <laughs> crawl. Yeah, yeah exactly. Crawl. <laughs> they're probably having a great time. It's a party, dinner party, right. nonstop buffet crawl. <laughs> no, I would die. 
Um, <laughs> I'd probably get like four buffets in and have a heart attack or something. Oof. I'd get one in and be like, all right, I'm going to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't eat like I used to. Yeah, no, that'd be bad. I wonder what the health effects of going to like constant buffet. Like if you went to a buffet for every meal. Oh, jeez. How long before a health effect would start to happen there? Let's get Morgan Spurlock on the line. I got a next movie idea for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't he the guy who did like the, the McDonald's thing? Mm-hmm. Super size. Yeah. Almost died in. Almost died from it. I know so, that movie I, almost by heart because my health teacher was too drunk to teach sometimes, and that's all he would put on. <laughs> nice. Fitting for a health teacher. Right. Speaking of um, childhood, I'm I'm curious what your friend's dad thought of you two exploring his books and, and playing this game that he clearly had a passion for. Well, kind of a touchy subject because he didn't make it past 25. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I'd imagine that was a good way for your friend then to kind of connect uh, with his dad, something that, you know, he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only memory he had of his dad that wasn't even really his was his, his mom walked into the kitchen and just saw his dad sitting outside, like standing outside the fridge. And um, she's like, what are you doing? He's like, opens it up and he takes my friend out of the freeze. Like, I just want to see what happened. He was only in there for like two seconds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's funny. What, did you guys find it kind of therapeutic playing this game that you knew he used to play? And was it kind of a way to help through that grieving process? I wouldn't say too much through a grieving process because he himself has said, you know, it's like, I didn't know him. It's kind of hard to grieve someone you didn't know. And it's like, I can relate to that, but there's yeah. still, yeah. there's still something there. And he's like, no, I know, you know, he handles things differently than I do. And, um, I'd say it was therapeutic, but it wasn't so much to get through a grieving process. It was more therapeutic to relate, you know, like you had said prior. Right. Awesome. Shared passion. Yeah. If it's not, uh, I'm sure there's certain, you know, things that are personal topics, but is there anything for you um, in your life that D&D has made a difference for you, whether it's been grieving or working through you know, maybe a communication problem with someone else. What, what do you feel like D and D has uh, contributed to you? Yeah. Funny you mentioned communication problems. It actually has helped me to not. I'm still socially awkward, but not be as socially awkward as I was. <laughs> We're all some mix socially right. awkward. Yeah, I have no idea um, the social awkwardness of us. Because like I was always the quiet emo kid who just wanted to draw in high school. So. Mm-hmm. This game kind of helped me talk to people in general. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't talk to people, but like I would try to keep the conversation as short as possible just to get it over with. Um, no, it definitely definitely helped work through some of those problems. Nice. Um, was there any kind of? I'm curious to know, knowing that about your personality, the. When you create a character, when you first started playing D&D, um, how much of that kind of silent, dark character type from your personal life bled into the characters you created? And c- 
can you kind of pinpoint a character that was kind of the the changing point of that socialness? So I kind of told myself from the beginning that I don't want to be that kind of person. And I'd be like, oh, he's mm-hmm. he's dark and mysterious and very lonely. I don't want it to be like that. <laughs> um, so I always tried to do the opposite of my characters. My first character was a bard. And I made it a point that he just talked to everybody. <laughs> um, just so that way it's like, okay, you're going to work through this. You'll be fine. But, you know. <laughs> It was it was more of like my version of therapy, exposure therapy, whatever you want to call it. The group was very understanding. They're like, We we know you you mm-hmm. got some you got some issues and we're here to help you through it. And so like the days that I didn't really want to talk, they would ask me like a few questions, you know, just trying to get me to, you know, open up a little bit more and then I would be like, Oh, okay, well yeah, yeah, yeah and just wouldn't shut up. Oh, it's That's so good. Fascinating. Yeah, it's yeah, so good that so you had cool. a, a supportive group for role playing that character. Did mm-hmm. you did you find like as you said, like it was very awkward in the beginning trying to role play and make voices with your friend for your characters? Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that that got easier with time, or how do you now? Uh, are you now deeply into the role play, or how is that oh, evolution I'm, came across? Oh, for he you? is deep I, into the role play. <laughs> Indeed. Like, like I know, I know it's family, but like I am balls deep into role play now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, so who? Tell us about some characters. Who's been your most recent? Um, Umada. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh. Oh. Right. Okay. So John wants to explore someone named Umada. Let's delve into that rabbit hole. Umada is my hat. Was my half orc fighter um, who was a chef. Oh, his whole goal in life was to cook and kill one of, or sorry, kill and cook every thing that's edible. Um, I'm sensing a theme with uh, food (laughs) and conquering. Right. (laughs) Um, If you can conquer the food, you can conquer a nation. Right. He who controls the sausage controls the universe. Very true. Very true. But no, it was it was good. It was a good character to build because I'd honestly say that was the first time I actually put like a dark backstory into my characters. As you know, <laughs> no. um, yeah, the way we had worked it out was he was trying to find his husband that was kidnapped by the Drow in John's campaign. Um, but the plot twist was. It, he actually was kidnapped, but he made his way back home, and Umada couldn't save him from dying, and so he had kind of a mental oh. snap and ground him up into sausage. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like anything like that, the brain is going to protect itself, and so it closed it off, and he just thought he was kidnapped, and his goal was to save him. But yeah. through, oh, he blacked out. Yeah, through you know some adventures and everything, it came into the light, and then the last couple sessions before it ended, um, the main group found out everything. Mm-hmm. 
that it happened, which like nothing against the group, but like, I kind of wanted more like shock and awe. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll work through this. It's like, stop being supportive. Be judgmental, please. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to hate me. Right. Where's the jaded cynic? <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. And oh my goodness. I was, I'm right there with you on that note. And it was so, oh my goodness. It was so entertaining as a DM. And I'm sure it was for you as a player too. Because mm. these players were so dead set on helping you find the husband. And like, they, they were, were so sold on this love story. They were so invested. Um, they were so invested <laughs> in it, especially certain characters that were just like, they wanted nothing else than to find your long lost husband and have like this whole reuniting Aww. and this yeah. beautiful moment or, or at least this, this closure moment. And then I think part of the reason why there wasn't such a big to do about it is because there was just total shock. They didn't know what to say or how to handle this news that yeah. was just like, Oh, what do we do with it? And it was so funny. Cause I saw it kind of building for a couple episodes of, them like because they knew they were getting close to that timeline and that story because of things that were happening and every time they're like oh we're gonna find his husband i'm like oh my goodness this is gonna be bad (laughs) (laughs) we just we just killed drony's dad now we're gonna find out that uh, you ground your husband in the sausage and it was a very dark timeline for the group and i just feel like when they finally figured out what happened it was just like this total shock and awe of like Oh, they couldn't oh, absorb shoot. it. What? Oh, he was for real. <laughs> they were too shocked to be wow. hateful or judgmental. It was just kind of like, mm. oh, how do we... the whole group didn't know how to process it? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I think I think what kind of I don't want to say made me mad, but I was just like, man, really, guys, is like no one caught on about the wedding ring because. Mm-hmm. He, what everyone thought was his wedding ring, Umada's wedding ring, around his around his necklace. Um, oh my god, around his neck on a necklace. Can't talk today. Um, was actually Jeremy's wedding ring, and what he would do in hopes of finding him is because he was a half work of finding. He would hold on to his, and then I would use locate object. And you're supposed to know where it is within a thousand feet and everything. But the way we played it off is that because he's holding it, he can't find it because it's right there. Yeah. Literally under your nose. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. There was one session where I said, yeah, I'm going to, you know, try and find his ring. You slipped up and you're like, you know exactly where it is. It's like, bro. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. I just thought of something that locate for this like modern day timeline that you're doing. Mm. It would be so funny to use that locate object so that you could find your keys. Like I can't <laughs> honey, I can't find my keys. I'll use locate object. Oh my goodness, I so wish I could do that. Right. You still need keys in this millennium? <laughs> uh, no, well that's true. Maybe you don't. My wallet, my phone, something. Just locate object. Well, look at how they did it with um, the movie Bright. Like, they had magic. They had elves and orcs and everything, but they still use cars. (laughs) Right. Huh. Oh, wow. I I, I don't remember where I parked my spacecraft. I don't remember. (laughs) In this parking lot, locate object. Where's my car? Right. 
You're doing the infamous, like, holding your key fob up, hitting the lock, yes. trying to find it. Boop, boop. Boop, boop. <laughs> okay, totally not D&D related, but I have found this trick online. So if you're trying to unlock your car in the parking lot, don't hold your key fob up in the air. Put it under your chin. Really? Your head acts as an antenna. Oh, yeah. Kind of like cell phones. Okay, that makes a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a higher range off of your uh, huh. clicker by putting I, it to your I chin. never even thought of that. Yeah, me neither <laughs> until I saw like, this this video of it. And then I tested it because I was like, that can't mm-hmm. be true. <laughs> so I, I clicked it until I knew I was out of range. And then I put it up to my head and it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't increase it by a whole lot. But it does but enough. Bit. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, I wonder so, if you can uh, work a way into creating an issue with an antenna, basically, like a Mega Mind or some kind of antenna <laughs> character. <laughs> um, is Mega oh, yeah. Mind in your story in your campaign? He's <laughs> going know. to be now. Yes. Yes. He'll be the mayor of Metrocity. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of something more fitting. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Oh, man. So I'm curious to know this campaign that you're running. Mm. What is what is like the main city? Does it have like a like a Coruscant type city where like the entire planet yep. is a city kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Nice. Can you are you able to describe that town or city a little bit? Yeah. Let me get the thing up in here. Yeah, I know. That's if you ask me to remember it off the top of my head, can't do it. That's why I right. write it down. <laughs> Right. Uh, let's see. So the main planet is called Phaeron. Um, it's kind of like the green zone. So all four of the factions can be there and recruit, do what they need to. But there's no fighting. Absolutely none. Oh. The one uh, group that controls the planet kind of like out of... Uh, Oh, man, what did I call it? It was really good. Uh, the green zone. Planetaries. Uh, the planet is governed by the elected council members of the Grand Architects. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Um, but the there's Grand also Architects. there's also two gangs that are on the planet as well. Um, Interesting. How does that work is... Like, because there's no fighting allowed, but there's gangs. Do they like so, they don't talk about Fight Club? Kind of. So, because it's um, <laughs> hive cities and everything, there, um, there's only so far that the um, soldiers that the Grand Architects use, they're called uh, the Men of Iron, AI-driven warriors. Interesting. They only patrol like the upper portions of like the hive cities, the like nice parts and everything. But once you get to like the middle and lower sections, it's just like their own systems of government kind of within that. But um, that's fascinating. It's a a facade of security and mm -hmm. law keeping. What, how did you come up with this idea or, or world? Like what prompted it? Did you write something? Was it something you saw? No, I just thought I was like, man, it'd be cool to do a space one. And I was like, 
we need a central planet. What could we call it? I just like started typing letters into my phone. I was like, okay, it's called Phaeron. I was like, uh, there's got to be something else going on in the planet. It just spirals from there. Wow. Do you have like a creative process or something that kind of triggers or anything like that? Um, not really. That's one of the good things about having ADD and a wild imagination <laughs> is like I can just think of anything. Like you need a storyline, I got you. Like just give me a word and I can make you something. I love that. My creative process is ADD. <laughs> <laughs> it it seems like it's been a very um it's it's played in tor- sort of a strength, I guess, in the sense mm-hmm. of creating a world and things like that because the more that you delve into it and the more that you kind of uncover you know, without exposing too much for your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it really sets a tone and a framework and just there's things underneath the surface that make it really fascinating and seems like a, a very interesting realm to explore. Yeah, there's definitely not going to be a shortage of things to explore in it from what I hope. Yep. And the way that I DM and everything is for my campaigns, I'll write the beginning, I'll write a middle to hook it all in, and then I'll write the ending. Everything in between those three points, that's up to the players. I'm not here to facilitate an entire story. I'm here to provide problems. I'm here to provide (laughs) problems. Be a part of the problem, not the solution, he said, ladies and gentlemen. DMs aren't here to give you answers. We're here to make sure you die. (laughs) (laughs) You fit right in with our chaotic bunch, and we are loving it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. I was just talking to uh, a player yesterday who I was getting ready for this new campaign I'm starting, and she's, like, completely new to D&D, and um, it was so funny because you said – you're there to provide problems. That was literally like this the discussion we had because I was teaching her how to like get her character set up and all that stuff, and we we're going over how her character works. And then she's new to D and D. She asked a question. Sorry if this embarrasses her if she hears this or whatever. But she asked the question, "What character are you playing?" And I'm like, "I'm the DM. I don't really I'm play a character. All of them. Yeah." I said, <laughs> I was like, I play all the characters, all the NPCs, all the things. I'm also the narrator of the story. And I literally said, I'm here to be both the problem and the solution to everything in the campaign. Like, And so just when you said, I'm here to be the problem, so <laughs> flashback to that conversation I had yesterday. Of, yeah. I'm here to be the problem. All your obstacles, that's me. That you have to <laughs> overcome. So cheers yeah. to being the problem. Right. Uh, creating stories and everything like that has always been one of my strong suits. English was my favorite subject in school. I mean, there was at one point during your campaign, John, I had 14 backup characters all with this story. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. I got to hear who some of these characters were because. All right. Let's go down. So I had my main character, Umada, my, Tried and true stand or backup character, Zamir Guilford, my bard that I started D D with. Mm-hmm. Um I had uh I had Halos. He was a Tabaxi warlock. 
that was packed with the Celestial. That was packed with the Celestial. His patron was Zeriel, I think. From it's a canon D and D monster. She was an angel that was sent to the Nine Hells to fight the demons there, but fell to corruption. But she still is there to fight. So the way I worked it in is it was supposed to take place before um, we killed Joni's dad. If for some reason Umada died, he was supposed to have been there as a architect scout that went through a doorway in a a set of ruins, which threw him into the Nine Hells. And he had to like kind of fight his way and survive and everything to where he could make his way to the tower she was being kept at and everything because in lore she hates Asmodeus. Um, So he frees her, he makes a pact with her, and then he continues to train. It would then spill out to where when everybody gets back from hell, he joins them and everything. But he used to be a, like, golden-haired tabaxi, when he made the pact, he was nice. burned with hellfire, and now he looks like a sphinx mm-hmm. cat. <laughs> and instead of having eyes, there's just green eldritch flame in there, and like the eye sockets. Nice. I, I um, just have to say, I'm so happy about how you started talking about your Tabaxi character, which for those who don't know, is a cat type person. It's cat folk. And your cat started just like meowing like yeah. crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. they know they, they know, know. <laughs> they know. Cats know everything, right? No, it. Um, I, I, I had a lot. It blows <laughs> my mind the way you have like a whole, like side journey and story, like a complete other like realm going on. That's like a parallel universe to what's actually mm-hmm. going on in your campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of wonder, like, how do you, um, how do you sort through? all of these like characters living rent free in your head, how do you sort through what each of their stories are? Like, do you just kind of go in tangents? Do you come up one at a time or just think of like how they interact and connect with the world? Like where, how, where does, where do you go from one to branching off into all of these side um, realms that very much are realistic? I am the tangent master. (laughs) (laughs) he is not a dm he's your tangent master i can be on one subject i'll say something it's like oh wait then that means that i could do this and start going in another direction like even just describing the character just now is like oh man i got a cool idea for another character like yes it's just it's a never-ending cycle and i'm always here for it the characters, like, all of them have their own voices. They have their own personalities. It's just how my brain works. I am a bank of useless knowledge and trivia facts. Please withdraw funds. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever you, like, if you need some obscure fact, I probably know it. So I can make characters like no other. I can, for the most part, make a story that's pretty decent. It, it's just how my brain works. Like, I can't really explain the process. It's just there. It does its thing. 
you it doesn't do what I need it to do. Right? You need to write a book. Absolutely. This needs to be a thing. I it's, have it's, tried. <laughs> yeah. And it's a thing. I couldn't I couldn't do it because I kept going off on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> unless it's unless it's a book of tangents, then yeah, we'll be oh dude, that would actually be I a good like idea. Short stories. Short Yo, story. Like a collection of short okay. stories. Okay. Either that or he just needs here. an editor to piece it all to help him piece it all together. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's uh actually one of my I think I just talked about it on our last podcast as well, but one of my favorite authors, Louis Lamore, um, he does a lot of Western things, and he would release books where it was a it was like a novel length book, but mm-hmm. it was a bunch of short stories. So each story was only like a couple pages long, but it was just like this really impactful thing. But he made a book, and if I remember right, in one of the books that he did that way. All the stories were somewhat related. They were kind of in the same world, I guess you'd say. But it yeah. was just like, or it was all in the same city, but it was different stories from people in that city. So it was just a really cool thing. So with you, That's with your tangents, I think that would be really cool. Of like, you have all these little short stories you write down and make it into one big story. Like it's after reading all the little short stories, you kind of see the plot of the big story coming, coming together. You know, that actually would be a really good idea. I might do that. Go for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. We absolutely would love to see what, what comes of that creation. And funny, you mentioned um, like wild West cowboy stuff and everything. Yes. That when I proposed the campaign idea to everybody, yeah. I gave them two options. You can do a space one, or you can do a southern gothic one. Why don't you do a space western? A space cowboy. A space getty western. There we go. Yeah. A, spag- a space getty. Like a spaghetti western, but a space getty. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's another one. This planet ain't wars. big enough for the two of us. Like, I <laughs> I'll tell you what, son. <laughs> You're in my corn. <laughs> we ain't like your types around here. Here's a list of ones we Ooh. do like. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> wow! For, for the uh, for a shootout, what what is your pace's length for <laughs> spacecraft to spacecraft combat? How far you can spin, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's hope these guys don't know about forward momentum and inertia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it. In the aerodynamics. Man. <laughs> no. I'm like my brain is just trying going all kinds of like directions of like this so many circles. Like this could be just another fascinating journey to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're if we're talking like space western stories like we might as well just do like a firefly campaign right right or mandalorian kind of thing mandalorian meets firefly there you go i have to say and i know this is like going further back in the conversation um but when you're talking about how you created your first character to be opposite of who you were intentionally Mm. You know, that's something that's so rare to hear because a lot of times people start playing D&D and they, they start playing a character which 
then they start thinking, oh, like this is something that they they start to notice how they can apply it to their life and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you went, it sounds like you went into it with that expectation of, look, I, I want to do this. I want to better myself and I'm going to use this as my practice ground for it. That's ultimately what it was. Cause like I, I dropped out of high school at 16 and was a shut in for four years, pretty much. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I got the opportunity to play and I was like, you know what, let's try it. And it's one of those rare moments where I was like, we're not going to let what's going on define us. We're going to do something different. So that way mm-hmm. we have a somewhat healthier mindset. <laughs> and right. every and once in a while, I, I still I, get that. I dropped back to that com- previous conversation because I just noticed something in what you were saying recently here is that you started playing D and D as kind of a way to escape who you were and kind of do that, escape the reality around you. But mm. it sounds like through this process of playing D and D, you've discovered this love for writing this, this love for creation. And so I just thought that was really poetic of how, you came from this place where you were kind of, like you said, goth, kind of quiet, not didn't really share a lot, talk a lot. And now you're in this space where you're creating stories for others to experience. And you're creating these entire worlds and doing it expertly, if I might say myself. <laughs> I wouldn't um, go that far. <laughs> I Well, just hearing the ideas yeah. you have now, I'm like, these are really awesome. And just I see that full line of where you started and where it's taking you. And I, it just sounds so cool that this game has brought out entire life for you, I guess you'd say, as to where you thought it would take you as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's, it's definitely been fuel for the fire to yeah. create more, to, you know, have a more wild thought process because in school the teachers would always tell my mom he's like well he just sits there and doesn't do his work but when he turns it in it's all correct and it's like yeah because i'm sitting there daydreaming like Mm. and growing up you know getting told it's like you can't be daydreaming all the time you know a classic kind of like stop daydreaming do your work kind of thing yeah um and so for a while, you know, I believed it's like, well, I'm not allowed to daydream. I have to do my work, which mm. led to some things um, that resulted in me dropping out of high school, not trying to get too heavy and personal. Um, Fair. And after that, you know, started doing D&D and here we are, you know, at 29 and I can, like I said, give me a word. I can give you a story. Nice. I think it's important to people say the same thing about doodling with young, young people as well, that doodling is pointless, but honestly there are things going on in the brain where the connections are being made. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even if it's doodles and has nothing to do with what you're listening to, there is a value in it. And, and also I think it's just how we channel and set 
set aside the differences of creating a space for the work and creating a space and environment for whatever that passion is Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that there's a value in each of them Mm -hmm. and, and just absolutely where you are, you know, creating space for both that both can exist and have a value. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like it can't be work all the time because then you get burnt out and you need time to be creative, to relax, to read a book, just talk to a friend on, even on the phone, you just need time to let your mind do what it's supposed to. Like we are a Mm -hmm. creative species. We're also a very self-destructive species, but that's for next week's episode. (laughs) Um, Ah, you're spoiling it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like you want to get into brain science, I can jump right into that, but I don't think we have time yes. for that. Um, like we it, can have you, you just, back. We we would love right? to get into brain science in another episode. The science behind D and D. Like I am. And voices. Do you hear this as well? I know. Oh, okay. We I haven't hear experienced your... this, so this you've been holding this back from me the whole entire time. Yeah, it says in your contract of doing this podcast, you're supposed <laughs> to be doing it in a voice the entire time. And you haven't been oh. doing that. So to fulfill that contract, we'll, we're contractually obligated to have you back on another episode. <laughs> yeah, I, there you I go. Feel, I feel slighted. I feel gypped, duped, yeah. duped, deceived. Hoodwinked. I've been hoodwinked. Right? <laughs> no. Um, well, you got you to gotta leave some mystery for the second date. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, there you oh, go. There you go. Oh, we're dating now. Wow. <laughs> he done did put a label on it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. They say three's a crowd. I say bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. We, I'm love, not say we, what love about we love a good third wheel. <clears throat> oh, my. The question is, which one of us? I'm clutching my pearls. Which one of us is the third wheel? (laughs) Are we all the third wheel? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I might be the square wheel. I don't know. (laughs) The square wheel. I'm the triangle wheel. Hexagonal. Hexagonal wheel. (laughs) There you go. We're a well-rounded group. (laughs) We're something. We're something. I'm not sure it can be defined, but we are something. We, yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. Seth, um, this this has been an amazing uh, glimpse. I think I think we really only scratched the surface. Um, hearing about your worlds and just all of your characters, and hearing the voices that you have been hiding from us, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm so grateful to have gotten to learn more about you and to meet you virtually. Um, you are a man of many pivots, whether it was from realizing um you know your your place at a young age and realizing that you wanted to pivot into something else and just being willing to explore other possibilities other realms and then even as being in D, pivoting to a dm creating stories as a dm and characters pivoting characters and realms and worlds you're a man of many pivots and it's incredible I cannot tell you how hard I am fighting the urge to say pivot like Ross from Friends. 
<laughs> like, like I don't, I don't want what I don't want you to think what you said fell on deaf ears. I really appreciate that. That is very kind. We but like, it, but you're like, you're like, you pivoted on this and then pivoting it. It's like pivot. <laughs> you pivot better than a politician. Also, please, please, listeners, go back and listen. There will be a game. Please take a shot for every time we've said mm-hmm. pivot or John yes. has said awesome. We're starting it here. We're now starting a Seth campaign for president. I've been your campaign uh, DM. Now we can be your campaign manager. There you go. Different kind of campaign. Oh, oh my goodness. Run on a platform. Oh, there we go. There's a a campaign (laughs) idea for a and d is you are the campaign team of someone who's trying to become president of the campaign world that you're Woof. create a entirely yeah. political. Like, Yo, we could tie in cards. so many like current day things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West Wing, House of Cards. This would be woke. Like I can't say the last part of that because it's a family show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we all know where that went. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually oh, I, a good idea. Like, man, it's you'd a have to, great idea. You'd have to find some people who are really open-minded who don't get offended. <laughs> well, I think it, it's different because you go into it like if it's real-world politics you're talking about, like then it gets mm. like okay, that's that's weird. Yeah. But when you go into the world, that's what I love about D anD D is you can get into topics and subjects that in the real world, like okay, that's. That's not a good thing. But in the yeah. world of, like, hey, you're, we're just role playing this. We're we're doing this, and we know it's a game. Mm-hmm. We all respect each other's opinions and beliefs. But I'm sorry, my character believes this. I know personally it's wrong, but this is what my character believes, and so this is what they're going right. to play it as, and it's, so it's fun. Can you imagine the story arcs that would go on? Because you could purposely play a character who does not share your values and beliefs, mm. and come full circle into you know believing something different or what if you had the leaders playing a political campaign mm-hmm. of D&D to solve world problems this is what <laughs> instead of presidential <clears throat> debates they should have a presidential one shot campaign yes! oh god they have to go through <laughs> and based oh, on my this goodness. What I'm, telling you, this scenario. I'm telling you it was a natural 20. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it was huge. It was huge. It came directly from China. <laughs> <laughs> this dice was made in China. <laughs> it's the best it's ever been. The best. That it that in PC? It's great. Love him. <laughs> uh, what did I roll? What did I roll? <laughs> What about uh, your hairy legs? Oh, no. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> Quite oh, smelly man. things. And like Look, Everything a, in this realm is a scratch and sniff. That's another thing, like, on the subject of, like, real-world politics in D&D, whether it's, you know, this awesome new idea do, um, or your own campaign is... One question I've always asked myself, I've never voiced it until now, is... Why is it okay to be racist in D and D, and obviously not okay in the real world? Because it's a game. Because it's a way to express 
like this because in my campaigns I brought up a mm. lot of racism. Personally, I abhor racism, and yeah. Yeah. I absolutely I've dealt with it in my own life, and it's it's a topic that's very strong to me. Mm. Um, but in my campaigns, I have a lot of racism in there, and I think. For me personally, I always try to be sensitive to my players and anything that might offend them or anything like that. So I keep it out of real world racism. Yeah. But I do add elements of that in there because it's a way of learning to deal with it. It's a way of learning to um I I always portray it as a bad thing in my stories. And so mm. you're overcoming it. You're you're defeating racism rather than celebrating it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think it's okay to do it in those, in, in that way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not saying that I don't accept your answer. I do a hundred percent do. I just, I can't formulate my own words because like, although I agree insert explanation here that I can't give because my brain isn't working right now. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you look at it too. If it's not about why we're black, say- it's not about colors. It's, it's also to it's elves and dwarves. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's two beings that aren't actually things, you know, they're yeah. just, I think it's, it kind of falls under the realm of, it's like, well, I can say it behind a screen, but I can't say it in person. Whereas, like, this is, I can say it about something that doesn't exist, that we know of, and I'll be okay. You know, I can go and do a campaign and say, you know, I hate knife ears, you know, pointing at the elf player. It's like, yeah, you can say that. We're going to punch you for it. You know. Right. Not Again, not to get heavy, but, like, you're free to say whatever you want. I'll... Right. Die on that hill. You can say whatever you want. That is your right. You are not free of the consequences, though. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. You're not free of the consequences. And even with that, I do try to make sure that we keep it within the fantasy realm mm-hmm. in a way that does not of- offend any. And I, I've been in the time before to where I've had to like shut it down in the game of yeah. like, okay, this is this is obviously offensive to someone here. Mm-hmm. And so you're, they're being bothered by it. Yeah. And we just got to like knock that out. And um, you get those players that it doesn't even have to be on that subject. You get those players that just take things too far. Um, yeah. But yeah, we will, uh, man, it's been such a pleasure having you talking with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I've had um, a lot of fun. I will come sure. back anytime. This is one of our longest episodes, I think, and it's just because we just enjoy talking with you and learning about you. Your knowledge of D&D is impressive, and your creative outlets are never-ending. Um, so we're just we're excited to see that. Definitely got to have you back on. Um, definitely got to play with you again sometime, definitely. whether as your player or as your DM again. Um, got to do that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We got to figure out what happens to Amada next. I think we'll just do a one shot of that. Just like what yeah. happens. Okay, this is gonna sound really mean, but I hope you understand my my heart in this. 
Like mm-hmm. part of the hardest, one of the hardest decisions about having to leave the group was not being able to finish some of the character stories. Yeah. Like, I love you guys as people and I definitely miss you. There's definitely all of that, all those emotions there. I love everyone in that group. And I was so upset that I had to quit going. Um, but one of the hardest parts was like, I have so many things that need to happen for this group. And some of it was like just getting started and it was like the worst time possible to end it. And those, those stories are corrupting my mind right now because they're unfulfilled. Um, So we definitely have to, eventually we will get back to there and be able to continue that story for sure. Absolutely. For my own watch that like mine my campaign won't take off but the minute you're like hey i can come back and be the dm again everybody comes (laughs) back i will look at them in such a different light it's like you guys are jerks oh no (laughs) not at all i genuinely hope not i i really hope that uh this does become a successful campaign because i'm excited to to hear how this realm plays out um i think you have a great, a great concept and a great realm for that players to come and explore. And I hope they're really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Me too, because it'd be kind of weird to do it with just like nobody or one person. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always Facebook. We now have a deserted uh, space theme. Right. Yeah. Deserted like, space. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it's Facebook. Just trash floating around. It's right. thirty more millennium in the future. Your dead tumbleweed. <laughs> That's when we get into the western. Wow, <laughs> exactly. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Right. Like I thought about doing Facebook to like fill the spots and everything, but like I don't want to play with a bunch of randoms. Like we all started hey. as randoms, but like <laughs> we're friends now, so we can say that. Right. But, you know, you could meet them the same way we met you. We have built such a good friendship. Um, We talk and everything outside of game. And that would not have been possible if I didn't just, like, reach out to you on Facebook. So who knows? Maybe you reach out to someone on Facebook and, yes, they're random. It's awkward. Like, when I first met you, I wasn't sure if we're going to be friends or you're going to murder me in my sleep. Who knows? Yeah, Um, I do. I do have that look. But, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's the ones who don't look like that that you have to worry about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, so you never know who you might meet and what friends you might come across. I found the most wonderful players by going to Facebook groups and checking them out. But mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, we should probably wrap this up because this episode is stupid long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a good way. In the best way possible. In a good way. I've enjoyed it. But thank you so much for coming on with us today. Um, such a pleasure. And yeah, thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Say farewell to the Dimension Door Tavern for now, but we will see you again soon. As my bard would say, oh God, what does what what he used to say as a sign off? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. <clears throat> Whether we meet on the winds or we meet on the road, It'll be good to see you again. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful ending. Thank you so much, Seth. You're awesome. And until next time, have a great night. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 
had such a great time with you all today. If you enjoyed our show, please follow us and hit the notification bell. Share this podcast with your friends, family, D&D group, or other adventures. Also, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest at the Tavern, send us an email. You can find our links in the description. Well, it's closing time here at the Dimension Door, but we are so excited for another adventure together next Thursday, right here at the Dimension Door Tavern.